Good evening, fellow Rebels, and welcome to the Rebels Cast UK. I'm Alistair Kennedy, and here with me tonight is Ross Shaw and Yogi, a.k.a. Yomar Lopez. Um, tonight on the show, we are going to be discussing Out of Darkness, um, and we're also going to be discussing the novel by um, John Miller, which was A New Dawn, which uh, is an awesome read and sets up the show. But Ross, did you have any Star Wars news before we go ahead? And uh, not that I know of. I've just the usual storyboard stuff, which, in all honesty, like I think uh, there's not there's only so much you can talk about storyboard, and everyone should know by now that you can't rely on information that comes from storyboards that have been drawn up, um, especially with a film that's been um, you know that's still that's just finished uh, principal photography. But uh, no, nothing of note has uh, been. Uh, from my airwaves anyway nothing of note has come about since obviously the force awakens title had been released yeah yeah there's not been too much because it's basically wrapped and obviously it's going into the editing room to add in all those gungans um so (laughs) apart (laughs) apart the the, the huge sort of like massacre of gungans and ewoks (laughs) (laughs) yeah and yogi yogi's been away for a few weeks like we said um the force was not strong with the broadband in his house so we have him back. Don't it's remind me, it's terrible. How you been though? I've been good, and I'm definitely convinced that uh, the, that Comcast is the Sith. Yeah. Mm. Sheev Palpatine himself. <laughs> that's that's what I learned. Yeah, that's that's his official uh, first name is Sheev. Palpatine, S H E E V. So there you go. Crazy name. I can't believe that's official, but yes, it's Sheev Palpatine. Is the emperor himself? So maybe it's that's that's Comcast's um, CEO, Sheev. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Uh, Palpatine is a pretty terrible name too. If you think about it, it sounds almost like palm. So you think about Palpatine as like face palm or, or heavy masturbation to the point of calluses. I don't know. There's something there. <laughs> yeah, it's like palming something to a pulp. <laughs> they, <Yeah. laughs> we should make it into a, a verb. <laughs> yeah. yeah, stop Palpatining me, man. <laughs> Back off, bro. Papatina. Oh, man. Oh, dear. So, anyway, we had a lovely episode um, out of darkness. And, Ross, do you want to give us a brief rundown? Yeah, Out of Darkness was um, it was an interesting episode. Obviously, coming off the back of um, Breaking Ranks, which you, you would have heard us talk about last week, uh, if you've been listening in. And um, off the back of that, we finally got another sort of... Um, uh, Duo centric episodes, uh, obviously, the first one being um, uh, Fight or Flight. Uh, in Out of Darkness, we sort of get a chance to sort of see Hera and Sabine, who haven't really been um, focused too much on so far in the like, previous four episodes. Um, and obviously, Out of Darkness, um, Sabine sort of throws her um, teenage drop and demands to know more information as to why they're doing certain things, which then leads them to. Um, uh, to bring in Sabine on as they drop and collect uh, their sort of reward from a mysterious voice called Fulcrum. And, mm. um, yeah, so technically, yeah, so that's basically it. And then they get stranded due to the, the tomfoolery previously um, uh, done by Ezra and Zeb. And uh, we get we get to see some kick-ass heroines this time rather than heroes. And um, it, it certainly was a strong episode overall. And there was quite a lot of hints to the Clone Wars as well in the background, if anyone had a eagle eye. Um, yeah, that's uh, Out of Darkness. So what about yourselves? Did you? How did you find the episode? Any pros, cons? I'll pass over to Yogi since he's been silent due to the, the lack of broadband <laughs> in his sector. <laughs> sector. I've been with you guys in, in spirit. I tried to project my uh, astral spirit at you use my jedi powers but i guess it failed yeah but uh just wasn't strong enough i don't think (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't but uh you you know i I watched the episode twice um Mm -hmm. and i was gonna watch it the third time i enjoyed it but something about it like it felt like it wasn't one of the stronger episodes i don't know why i i kind of put it it's not as bad as the whole uh fruit episode (laughs) yeah yeah you know, but you know, like like that episode. I want to talk to you guys about it, but you know, was that episode two? Was it where they went for the fruit or or three? Yeah, that was episode two. Okay, yeah. and so, you know, I feel like this was a similar episode, where it's it, it the plot itself wasn't that 
necessary, that pivotal, that uh, critical to the overall storytelling, but it did serve the purpose of of providing some characterization. So that part I appreciated, but it, it felt I don't know. It felt a little anticlimactic to me for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm just in the movie. Maybe I'm just being a bitch. Uh, well, I, I I I can understand where you're coming from, and I put it down to maybe the fact that the uh, the threat that they were dealing with what didn't look that dangerous. They were almost as cuddly as uh, the previous aliens that we'd seen. Um, in, yeah. Uh, in, in Rise of the Old Masters, you know when Hera was like sort of hiding with a ship, and then the aliens decided to um, <laughs> to get some funky business down in let's the, get, get it on <laughs> uh, i think yeah i think they just looked a wee bit too cute and cuddly with sort of sharp teeth they didn't really look as um yeah as sort of they were dangerous like, they were like uh they're like furbies you know remember furbies <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like furbies are scary furbies. but you know at first you're like yo you're kind of cute all right you're gonna kill me but you know you're, you're still cute yeah, mm. um, yeah, I th- I th- that that's what I attribute it to. I reckon like that that, that certainly was the weakest thing was I, I, the threat just didn't feel as um, well. The monsters didn't feel as threatening as they as they really should have been, which kind of made their entire sort of like almost like last stand a bit sort of pointless sort of idea. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, it was a bit kind of yeah. I suppose like with with the negatives that could be a way. It felt kind of some some of the um, the dialogue and some of the action felt a bit forced. In the sense that it was almost as if they had to find an excuse to introduce this fulcrum, which sort of ties in the overall, like almost probably the season story arc. And they were kind of like, shit, we better just, you know, shove this episode in so at least we can get the ball rolling rather than, you know, having a decent plan to to maybe slowly bring him in. But, um, that wasn't my problem with the episode, though. Like, my episode was the whole forced. So, like, I know I said last week that I really wanted to see more Heron Sabine, but. Should have been more specific. I want to see more about Sabine's background, which I'm sure we'll get. But these sort of buddy-up episodes, you know, like um, <laughs> yeah. the one Yogi was talking about, where um, Zeb and Ezra went after the fruit and it felt like Aladdin, you know, Aladdin Wars. Uh, this, this, <laughs> this, this one um, felt almost... It, it, these ones feel too forced. If they're not doing things as a team and they're doing them as two... I know they might eventually phase out because obviously this is us getting to see the team bonding and stuff. I get it, but... It felt a bit too forced. However, the Voltram stuff, I enjoyed the wee sort of tease. I wasn't as Ross Ross told me last week when we were watching it that he wasn't best impressed with the way it happened. But I, I thought it was cool. And I, I wanted to ask you two guys, do you have any theories of who Voltram might be? Uh, I, yeah. I have one. <laughs> I've got two totally. Bi- I've got a normal one and then I always have like an outlandish theory. <laughs> My normal one is that I think it's just going to be bog standard, like either like, Wedge Antilles or Bale Organa and it's going to be one of those and it's going to be their contact into the rebellion and as the season goes on they're, um, it's going to get more high risk jobs that they're going to have to take, it's going to get them introduced into certain places and certain people. My outlandish theory is that it could be Ahsoka Tano that'd be hilarious if it was Ahsoka Tano <laughs> that would be good. and um, uh, and basically it would be like that'd be a nice sort of like tie in with the Clone Wars and we could try and maybe finally get her her character a satisfying conclusion whether or not she sort of sacrifices herself as fulcrum in order to keep the 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 ship ghost and their crew alive uh, to continue the good work of the rebellion or something along those lines because it was a voice changer that was used from fulcrum so it could it doesn't necessarily need to be male the person it could be female so there are my yeah. two theories yogi who do you reckon it could be who do you think's the one pulling the strings of the rebellion I would love the female twist. That'd be great. Something unexpected. Uh, I was thinking about uh, guys. I'm terrible with names. Uh, what's the, the one senator they already introduced? Uh, in, in the show. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Princess Leia's thinking, dad. Yeah, Princess oh, Leia's dad. There you go. So stepdad. So yeah, yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking that right there. Yeah, that was my logical option. I had an outlandish one like Ross. You can tell we're related. Um, the my main one is obviously Bail Organa seems the legit the logic way to go, um, because he seems the strongest sort of figure that we know so far in the Star Wars universe. I like Ross's theory; it could be Ahsoka, like um, putting on the voice. But my outlandish theory, Ross, was, and it's going back to the Force Unleashed. It's oh, either no, Vader, oh, it's either Vader or Gallon Maric. Oh my God! Will you just let the Force unleash go, Alistair? Please, no, no, no it's no, not going to happen. No, no, 
it could happen. No, because it, it <laughs> it's the worst way how the rebellion came about. It's Darth Vader's plan all along. Yep. No, it's it, idiotic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. I'm glad I never finished those games. They were really good games, but oh my God, now man. that it's they they said for sure that they're not canon, it's like it's I'm canon. glad I didn't tease myself because that that would piss me off. I, I hate that. I, would, I like, I I like really the first one. Game. I would call the first more quick time events, like overly well, long time events. No, to be honest, it was the first <laughs> game that you ever felt as badass as you wanted to when you imagined yourself as a Jedi. Like the first yeah. game certainly was brilliant. The second game. It was kind of rushed through production and it wasn't as good. And I, I like the character Gallimaric. And obviously the guy, um, what's his name? Is it Sam Witwer? Or something? Sam Witwer. He, he actually played uh, Darth Maul in the Clone Wars. So he's still tied to Star Wars. And he still loves the character. So who knows, Ross? Who knows? <laughs> uh, that's like me turning and going, yeah, Falcon's <laughs> going to be Kyle Katarn. You know, that's... Like... <laughs> it could be. Good, good thinking. Um. But no, the, the female side of things would be quite cool. You know, at first I thought Princess Leia, but I, I realised age-wise she would be the same age as Ezra at this point, because I believe. Mm. So yeah, she's that's yeah, she would be window. fourteen. I think we worked out. Look, would be fourteen at this yeah. point. So yeah, roughly about Ezra's age, maybe slightly older, but no, it won't be Leia. Although Leia obviously had a. That's what I mean. This is why it makes sense as Bail Organa, because obviously in Episode Four, and you hope we see. Uh, Princess Leia sending the message to R2-D2 so she knows about the rebellion so it would make sense that her father, if he's not one of the first to jump on, as he was in the Force Unleashed, like it or love it, like it or hate it he was one of the first and um, it would make sense that he started it because it just suits his character if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean like, there's a whole lot of other theories, um, a couple of other sort of listeners, mm -hmm. um, they've also suggested to me um, face to face, they've said that it could be Lando Carlisian was one because he is due to make an appearance, Billy D. Williams has confirmed that he's voiced parts for um, Star Wars Rebels so we're definitely going to see Lando at some point in season one. Really? So, yeah, Lando's... Yeah, yeah. After all this time? Yeah. Well, do you want to know, I actually found something that was interesting, Yogi that I shared with Ross after last week's show I was looking up... Uh, I actually went shopping last week's show <laughs> during the show for figures and um, I found the Millennium Falcon, a new edition of it that's branded Rebels, saying um, act out your favourite Rebels scenes with the Millennium Falcon. So it might be, as Ross was hoping, we get to see Lando when he owned the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, that, but yeah, Billy D. Williams has confirmed, I think, via his Twitter account or an interview that he has met up with the Rebels team and put his voice uh, towards the show. So uh, he could. So a lot of people say that could be Vulcrum. Uh, another person also noted um, that uh, in Rise of the Old Masters we saw an um, exiled senator, I think it was, who was coming out with sort of pirated broadcasts, um, yes. basically sort of telling, explaining to people, you know, to not go against the, to, well, to go against the empire and to not, you know, uh, to not be deceived by them. And he sort of like interrupts our imperial broadcast and gets immediately shut off. Uh, some people could it could be this person we don't know his name well I think we do know his name but I can't remember it uh, off by hand. Um, some people could be the, it could be this exile senator. However, I reckon this exile senator is a um, is a ploy by the emperor to sort of like draw out the rebels into you know every time he seems to come about there seems to be some sort of trap that's been created. So I reckon he could be like a red herring. For it's a trap. But, but the, the Lando thing would be intriguing if if uh, it does turn out that he is Fulcrum as well it would be quite cool. But I'm probably siding with Yogi here. A, a female twist to it would be would probably be more satisfying, I reckon. To yeah, me, Ahsoka uh, would be cool. Thing. Maybe not Ahsoka, but it could be Mon Mothma or somebody, you know. be interesting or to see. it could be General Akbar. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really good, actually. Yeah, so um, overall this episode, I did, I did enjoy it. I enjoy all the episodes, even, even if they're not strong in the ways of the star wars storyline like they're not in depth i've got to remember they are based for a younger audience but overall i've not had one that i didn't enjoy all the way through everyone's got certain parts and of course most of us guys would love just to get into the canaan and ezra and them training padawan and master side by well padawan and not even jedi knight training padawan and padawan technically side by side um i i, I, I i'm okay with this episode it wasn't the best, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how else they could do it though. Like, there's very little way to make the team bond without doing this in the time they've got. Like Ross pointed out in a previous episode, they could do with a bit longer in each episode. I think. 
Yeah, it certainly does feel rushed, and I mean, like, and but they're certainly planting the seeds correctly. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, obviously, Sabine's uh, background. We sort of finally figured out that she's from Mandalore, and she used to be, um, she used to be in the Imperial Academy until she sort of got, got disillusioned, uh, disillusioned by some form or the other, and decided to join the crew of Ghost. So you know, we already sort of have an intriguing background, which we kind of hope to um, hope to explore and. You know, it kind of—it's almost as if like it's raising more questions and answering them right now, which is great on one side because it's giving us a lot more content to look forward to as season one and obviously season two that's been announced will continue. But it's negative in the sense that you kind of want to know what's going on right there, right now. You know, being well for me personally, being the impatient guy that I am, um, especially with sort of Sabine's background, considering that um, obviously we'll be discussing Hera's we'll be, even through the book A New Dawn. We don't know a lot about Hera's background either. We're now getting a glimpse of um, of Sabine's, uh, especially considering how she's also already been in the Imperial Academy. Could she be an informant for the Imperials? Is she a spy or a mole within Ghosts? You never know. Ooh. But there's a lot of things I've thrown up and a lot of questions going on. How did she escape from the Academy? Or why did she escape from the Academy? Like Things like that. Uh, I've definitely been raised um, just via the 20 minutes that was Out of Darkness. Uh, so hopefully it's not one of those things where they just sort of like forget about it later on, but they do get answered maybe in the next handful of episodes. I've got another name to throw in the barrel. Uh-huh. And this isn't a ridiculous one, actually. It's one of my favourite um, sort of almost Z-list uh, characters, but I own four different figures of them. Quinlan Voss, who trained alongside Obi-Wan. Well, he is, isn't he... Um... He's been confirmed as being canon because of the yeah, novel that's coming Wars. out next year. And, and he's Clone in the Wars. Clone Wars, obviously, yeah. Yeah, so it could be him. It'd be interesting to see how... But there's, there is a book coming out with him next year with Assage and, um, Ventures. So. Assage Ventures, yeah, that's right. So, But that's what I mean, like, next year. So we could find Fulcrum's identity at the end of this season and it could turn out to be Quinlan leading into the, the book. And also, we've also got... Uh, once this first season finishes... Marvel Comics have now got the license off of Dark Horse for the Star Wars as of next year. And not the Star Wars, Star Wars. <laughs> and um, they are starting off with The Last Padawan, Kanan. That book is going to be awesome, I think. And I hope it starts pre Order 66. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that goes on. But bringing it back to like the, uh, the whole Vulcrum thing, um, Vulcrum. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, don't you think that if it was another Jedi, and again, this is me sort of like um, contradicting my theory of Ahsoka Tano, don't you think that contradicts if another Jedi was involved in uh, the rebellion like that <clears throat> ingrained? Wouldn't, mm. Don't you think that that name should have been brought up in episodes four to six? Like, you know how there's that whole idea that, you know, like Yoda, Obi-Wan and Luke are like the remaining Jedi. Surely, like, the if surely the rebels should have like flagged up going oh yeah there's also these other jedis that helped us out <laughs> so mm. you know it could uh, that's why maybe fulcrum could may or may not be i could be like the negative side to like ahsoka or quinlan voss is the fact that you know maybe they're it's bringing the um these sort of jedis too close to the rebellion to the point where people would then raise questions as to why they weren't even referenced in four to six so but that also yeah. brings up how how will the how will the crew of ghosts um, be involved with the rebellion if that was the case you know maybe does Kanan just not bother telling the rebellion who he actually is you know it could that way as well yeah. so well, again it's true. very intriguing and out of darkness certainly has sort of raised a lot more questions um for the overall plot story i think it's more because we've now had a chance to sort of get our feet into the into the animation get our feet into the storyline we now know who each person is we kind of know what they're dealing with and you know why they're there and now we get to focus on sort of the overall um, season arc. So yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. What about you guys? Are you enjoying the season so far? Or are you thinking it's lacking something? Is there something you want to see? I'm I'm loving it. I, I think from what it feels like, you know, I feel they're pacing it to set up for at least a good three or four season run. I don't know how many episodes they've ordered so far or whatever, but. It feels like the pacing is, is set up for a, a nice long run because, you know, I don't want to say that some of these episodes are filler, but there's some stuff in there that, that's fun, but it doesn't really add that much to it. Now, even, you know, this episode, you know, Out of the Darkness, I, I felt it was a little weaker, but, you know, you guys did did say some good, make some good points about how it did raise the right questions 
it gave us uh, some really good takeaways, uh, knowing that Sabine was in the Imperial uh, Academy. So you start to wonder, if you really look at it, like, was she put pressing Hera hard to to get some information to bring back to her contacts? Uh, is she a mole? Or is she just genuinely trying to, to, to you know, get a fresh start? Like, maybe she has some trust issues. Maybe she feels like she's not wanted because she doesn't like the whole secrecy thing. You know, maybe maybe it's just genuinely that, like, you know, hey, uh, throw me a bone. I, I want to feel like I'm a real part of this, the team. So, I don't know. I kind of want to lean towards the fact that she's not a mole. She just wants to feel more involved, and, and she wants to build that trust. I think that's important to her because she seems too soft, unless she puts on a real good act. I mean, she is a woman, so that's a little <laughs> scary. I mean, yeah, it's I, know, it's I liked how Sabine sort of came into her own in the sense that we finally see she's like the bridge between the um, the sort of like the more mature um, <clears throat> leaders of like uh, and Hera and Kanan and with the sort of you know the um, uh, the immaturity of, uh, of Ezra <laughs> and Chopper and Zeb. Yeah. Like Sabine seems to be in that in that sort of bridge position yeah. within the crew. So obviously you know she could be going through her own characterization where you know she still wants to be sort of part of everything and you know we could end up seeing her having to either pick either sticking with the immaturity of Ezra and Zeb or moving into a more larger role and hopefully the fact that she's sort of throwing these questions and pushing that you know she could sort of become a stronger character rather than this sort of whiny teenage person that we see just now but you know (laughs) yeah I do agree um I, I would like the to focus a lot more. I don't think we're going to get... I think this series, a bit like the book that we're going to cover in a little bit, is going to stay away from Jedi as much as possible, whereas Clone Wars was... Every episode had many lightsaber battles. Um, every problem was solved with a lightsaber, whereas this is the complete <laughs> opposite. It's more getting you to know the characters and stuff before getting too in-depth, and I'd really want to see more of that Inquisitor. Yeah, yeah. the Inquisitor's quite badass, I must say. Yeah, but um, I, I like how they're not focusing on Jedi lightsabers and the Force that much because, you know, we're now we're delving into an area of Star Wars, not just like era wise, but like character wise, where, you know, there isn't a lot of the Force and the lightsabers, so we're getting to see that other side of the galaxy of people using blasters, people using cunning and wit to sort of get their way around and people that may or may not play, and I bring this up every episode, but people who may or may not play Edge of the Empire, the fantasy flight role-playing game, they'll sort of understand that it's a brilliant, um, uh, it's a brilliant kind of sort of comparison in the sense that, you know, these characters you see in Star Wars Rebels are, are ones that you can pretty much make and see in Edge of the Empire because it doesn't focus on the Force and lightsabers at all, and it's a brilliant sort of, you know, the other, it's brilliant to see the other side of the coin through this group but obviously you still have the force and the lightsabers which makes which makes the seeing the force and seeing the lightsabers that more that much more special and unique a bit like how the original trilogy you didn't see a lot of the force and the lightsabers being used whereas the clone wars and the original trilogy just not original the prequel trilogy just went overboard so it's bringing it back to it sort of it makes those moments with a lightsaber and those moments with the force special and unique rather than yeah. just getting it rammed down your throat every episode. And it's kind of in tune with the original prequel, like you were saying. Like it's, it's, it's more fitting than Clone Wars, where the lightsabers were necessary because it was the middle of a war, and obviously the Jedi are meant to be in hiding. So if we seen Kanan using his lightsaber every two seconds, it just would not feel right eventually, I don't think. Yeah, it wouldn't feel right, and then it would just raise the question as to why. It, it then sort of brings up, kind of like why is um, Luke considered so such a rare specimen because he's like one of the few Jedis left or one of the few known Jedis left if Kanan was kicking about chopping things left, right and centre with his lightsaber but you know using it only when necessary just again just brings that sort of special specialness um, to, the, to those kind of scenes so yeah it's, it's an interesting sort of way to, to push it through and out of darkness really kind of showed you that where the sense that it, it really sort of like enhanced that idea because the two characters Sabine and Hera were just blasters only and they had to use their guile to um, 
to set up the um the explosive barrels in order to sort of like you know stave off the attack from the monsters whereas and even when the ship came down you didn't see Kanan run out of the ramp with his lightsaber to sort of chop up the monsters you kind of saw hmm. everybody using their blasters and all that stuff which again was brilliant you know it was really really good so see as well with this episode the one thing i'll be using it for is is um obviously um once me and the wife have kids in the future um, if they ever see my Vin Diesel collection of the Pitch Black movies and they want to watch it, I'm going to stick this on and go, that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much was. Yeah, they pretty much did kind of take Pitch Black and just <laughs> Disney-fy Pitch Black successfully almost. Yeah, yeah. they did. Possibly <laughs> even better at some points, I would say. But, it certainly um, was, yeah. They must condense Pitch Black into 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to throw a yeah. name out there and I won't say why. Um, because it might ruin some... We're going to do a, a, a segment on uh, A New Dawn. We're going to cover that. And um, obviously Yogi hasn't read it yet. But Ross, this name here kind of came to my head there when I was looking at my notes for um, A New Dawn. What if Zaluna was Fulcrum? Zaluna? No, that name should ring a bell. But um... She was the wee agent. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, purely because of the ending of a new dawn, definitely not. So, uh, no, I don't think it would be her from a new dawn, definitely. Mm. Okay, so we'll move on to a new dawn. Now, this book is written by the wonderful John J. Miller, John Jackson Miller, as he's otherwise known to his friends. He is uh, the person that has wrote the final expanded universe novel the ODU the Legends series as it's known as now Kenobi that was the last book that came out and uh, we're talking novels here and he's also wrote the first book which was A New Dawn now Kenobi was brilliant because I, I love Obi-Wan Kenobi um, it's a shame that it's not um, canon anymore but it makes sense because an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie which to me is a no-brainer is bound to show up within the next two or three years because they're doing a filler film in between the episodes as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a shame it didn't because Kenobi was really, it was fantastic. Um, a New Dawn, however, um, I ordered it hardback, pre-ordered it, I pre-ordered them all. And um, well, I'm getting Tarkin for Christmas, I think. I might get it before. Um, and then obviously we've got... Um, the heir Lords to the Jedi the and yeah, yeah. Lords, of Lords of the Sith, which, like we said last week, sounds like uh, Darth and Palpatine on a road trip. It totally is. It's like Hangover <laughs> in the Star Wars universe, you know. You um, thought you'd seen it all. Yeah. Wait till you see this year's. <laughs> you know, it's it's it seems silly, but it's going to be interesting. But anyway, back to a new dawn. This book is one of the easiest reading, and I don't mean aimed at children. This is quite clearly an adult or at least from 20s up book to read because there's some nudge, nudge, wink, wink moments. Um, it's easier to read, I'm purely saying that, based on previous Expanded Universe novels that I have read that are heavily based on facts, planet positions, names from previous books that you may or may not know. If you've never read an Expanded Universe book, this is the one to pick up because, one, it's the first canon novel, and two, it's it doesn't refer to anything that you have not seen in the movies or the tv series and when it does refer to the clone wars it doesn't do it heavily either it's more as as long as you've seen attack of the clones you'll know what he's talking about because you're aware of the clone wars so um it starts out really well and uh, i'm going to pass over to ross for his description of the the book because i've got a few there's there's some pluses and minuses in this book but mostly it's pluses ross yeah it's good yeah i knew dawn it kind of it, it sets up um the backstory of Kanan and Hera, um, it's kind of, it's more, it's, it fleshes them out a little bit more. It doesn't give you, it's, it's difficult to understand. It's kind of like, you get more of an idea as to who the characters are, but you don't know, like, why they've come to be. You know, when I say they flesh them out, you don't know exactly what Hera's been up to. You don't know, like, you know, from when she grew up or, like, you know, why she's doing, like, you, you don't find out her motives behind what she's doing when Rebel starts. Um, but you do find a wee bit more about Kanan's background, about you know, like what happened to him, and you get a fair idea as to like how he managed to survive since the Jedi purge up to the point in the book, which I think is set is it five years before um, Rebels, or is it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's five years before. Yeah. So we'll yeah, so that. basically, like Hera and Kanan, they sort of encounter each other um, on this sort of like backwater planet called Gorse, 
and um, Hera's kind of gathering intel uh, on the mining operations that are happening on the planet, and Kanan, as just so happens, works as a miner, keeping himself to himself. He's, he kind of is ref- referenced as he's a, basically an alcoholic that yep. uh, lives lives on top, lives above a cantina, works there part time as well as um, shipping. Um, it says works, but then it describes that he helps himself to the bar while he's working. <laughs> yeah, he helps to the bar. He pretty much bounces in this cantina, and that, that's what it, it brings. He's like to- Ross when he goes back home. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> Or whenever I find a, a new bar that that let me in for the for more than two weeks, um, but yeah, uh, so basically, um, it it kind of it just highlights the adult themes behind the characters Kanan and Hera because obviously when we're watching Rebels, it's Disney fied, it's aimed at kids, but we know Kanan and Hera are adults, so you know it doesn't take a doesn't take a genius to know that you know that they're not all going to be you know goody two-shoes people so we get to see the adult ver. it's almost like the adult version of rebels you know you get to see the sort of like the sexual tension between Hera and Kanan but you also get to see how Kanan is a bit of an arsehole and um, a bit of an arrogant prick as well yep. um but it's it's written well you know it's there's reasons behind why he's an arrogant prick and obviously being the fact that he's had the hide he's had he's like lost his identity doesn't know who he is and Hera sort of intrigues him to the point where he sort of ends up chasing after her, and then uh, they end up sort of getting together, not in a, a romantic way, but again, like teaming up in order to try and save Gorse from uh, the crazy destruction that's planned by. It sounds like pretty much a knockoff General Grievous is yeah, basically. That's how the, I pictured um, them in my head. Yeah, Vidian. Yeah, Count Vidian. He's pretty much General Grievous in terms of like how he looks and uh, his plan. He has to. Um, keep up with the targets that the Emperor's setting, and in order from doing that, he's going to destroy a moon, uh, yep. which is kind of, it's a nice foreshadowing towards what the Death Star can do, I suppose, and they basically blow, they're trying to blow up this entire moon, and it's up to Hera and Kanan to stop them, and yeah, it's an interesting book, and it, it brings up various themes and um, plot points that Disney would be, not too scared, but Disney would have no, uh, Disney would have no interest in trying to explain via the Rebels cartoon, uh, obviously, more specifically, you know the attitude that uh, Kanan has, and uh, you know the sort of the hardships that he's gone through since the Jedi Purge, and you know what he's been up to, and that whole sort of idea that he's a womanizer and a, a sort of a, a womanizer and an alcoholic, basically. Uh, Hera, however, she's not very, she's not fleshed out as well as expected. She's still got an air of mystery around her, which def- definitely intrigued me as a reader. Uh, to keep you know to keep me reading on, but now knowing the re- now knowing rebels, I was kind of hoping that maybe a wee bit more of our backstory would have been would have had some light shed on. But I believe a new dawn was released though before rebels started. Am I correct? Yes, yes. So yes, it's a it, make, it yeah, it kind of makes sense if the book had was released before rebels came out. You know, people would know a wee bit more about Hera, which would then take away the air of mystery that the cartoon obviously was trying to sort of set up about Hera. Um, but yeah, that was probably my only downside. But it's a great read, and as Alistair pointed out earlier on, um, for people that have not read an expanded universe novel before, or are trying to sort of work the way through the swamp that is the Legends expanded universe now, a New Dawn's a brilliant way to start. You know, it's the first in a long line of books that'll be planned, and um, yeah, it's brilliant. Like, I, I kind of the way Kanan as well is obviously written is a bit written like ah. Um, uh, uh, the Firefly main character. Why can I not? Um, Captain Mal. Yes, Mal. Mal. Thank you, Yogi. I can't believe I've forgotten that. I'm gonna just <laughs> sign off now. But um, <laughs> and you shame. call yourself a brown coat. <laughs> I'm gonna sign off and shoot. But yes, Captain Mal. That's what Kanan is kind of like in the book. Like he's written that way. It does have an air of Firefly in the book. Um, which obviously you don't really get that idea on the Rebels cartoon. So if you want to get sort of the adult thing, and after you read read A New Dawn and you watch Rebels again, you do sort of pick up on the subtleties that possibly the animators and the writers have left in there for the adult viewers, which makes you like, ah, yeah, those little hints and, you know, the way that Hera and Kanan interact kind of has a bit more depth to it now after reading A New Dawn. Yeah, um, my favourite part of the book was Count Vidian. He was made a bad guy that we've not seen since Darth Vader before you knew about his backstory and felt a wee bit sorry for him. This was a man to be hated. That He was on his deathbed 
got cyborg implants basically and created himself like general grievous is a cyborg as well he's not robot and uh most of his body's covered um he's just evil he's done things like falsified documents he's even manipulated the emperor to a certain extent he's just diabolical that's the best word to describe him and near the end of the book you even find out last uh last pieces of information about uh count vidian as well that make you hate him even more there's nothing like about him and that's a good thing um kanan i love the way he was portrayed i i i second rossi's captain malcolm uh remark but i also would like to throw in um chris pratt's rendition of star lord kind of came to mind when i was reading him yeah, a little bit. Yeah, th- that cockiness ab- around Kanan. And what's great, though, about it is the fact that Kanan in the book is read off as, like, a cocky, uh, sarcastic, uh, wo- uh, alcoholic womanizer. So, obviously, yep. this book is set a few years before Rebels begins. So, it's interesting to see how he's sort of matured to the point where, he obviously, now being in charge of, not in charge of the ghost ship, but being in charge of the crew, he, it's obviously he's had to step up in his own maturity so it was an it was interesting to see Kanan you know in a sort of younger cocky self and now seeing him this older almost wiser mm. um, self in Rebels now that he has obviously Ezra and then there's Zeb and Sabine they're um they're in the crew but yeah yeah I see where you're coming from that Chris Pat uh, Chris Pratt side of things yeah he's it's six years sorry I've just read here it's six years before um a new dawn I'm just reading that off of the Star Wars wiki for A New Dawn. I have just finished the book as well. Took all, all, all week reading it at work as much as I could. Um, and I would I would probably reread this again. I'm glad I've got this book in hardback. Um, I, I, did, I, I, I do understand why they didn't show you much about Hera or Kanan's backstory. Because obviously we're having Kanan, the last Padawan in the comic, which is going to probably cover that. And obviously Hera's backstory might be a secret, like you said. Could she be a spy? Could she be a um, sleeper agent? Who knows what, what her backstory actually is. The one thing that I was hoping it would branch at least to, which obviously there's still scope, there's still enough years between. I really hope we got another one, an intermediate novel between Rebels and the New Dawn that covers um, the meeting Zeb and Sabine and how they came to them. But that will depend on whether Rebels, the shows, kind of get dibs in them to cover on TV. Um, apart from that, like I said, the book is not a hard read. It's not like it's not too simple that it's a childlike novel. Um, but it's not too difficult that you're like, what is this? Who is this? I did have to Google a couple of times. Um, you know the guy whose wife got thrown in the acid pit? Yes, the basilisk. Yep. I didn't realise what um, species that was, so I had to Google that. And he's the same as uh, Obi-Wan's pal, the cook. Yes, yeah, 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 the four-armed guy. I mean, like, what you've just brought up there, you don't need to know the species and the planets to still enjoy the book, you know? It just, it adds a bit more sort of depth to your reading experience if you do sort of do the quick research or you kind of know, but it's not vital. Um, I mean, yeah, Miller's really sort of stepped it up and it's a great introduction to the new expanded universe. Um, You know, his pacing and the way it's written is definitely feels like a classic Star Wars story as well. And oh, yes. um, yeah, it really is. It's got it's. It, I, I was highly impressed uh, with it. And if if this is going to be the quality that um that this new expanded universe books is going to be like seeking out, well, they're no it, longer I've, expanded universe. They're now official canon. Yeah, well, this, well, canon, this happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. It's um. So if if this is the quality that they're going to be seeking out for these sort of you know uh, for these novels, then uh, I have high hopes for the um for the rest of the the novels forthcoming. Mm-hmm. So. And there was there was a couple other characters that we're going to cover, and one of them, uh, what was his name, Skelly? It was Skelly. Skelly. Yep. Um, he actually showed you the way that they're actually treating the Clone Wars veterans, and it's not very nice. They're kind of shipping them to retirement homes and kind of brushing them aside. Yeah, it was an interesting look into um, that side of things. Like in the Clone Wars, you sort of got to see the glorified war, and you know you got to see them in action, whereas. Uh, we're now in that era of the Star Wars galaxy or the Star Wars universe where, um, like, what what would happen to the non-clones that served in the Clone Wars? You know, like, fair dues, the bulk of the army were clones, but there were still actual, you know, like, humans and other species that served in the Clone Wars. And you've got to sort of see an idea as to how it's done. And it's, um, I don't know, it could be an analogy towards maybe how 
veterans are treated in our society in the sense that you know they are just sort of like well in uh, a new yeah. a new dawn they are sort of shunned and they're put away and they're not really given a lot of support from uh, from the government and i.e. the the empire so um it was an interesting look into like what happens after the, like the aftermath of this war and which was 10 years in in terms of how where a new dawn is sits uh, in the timeline so yeah skelly obviously was a demolitions expert in the clone wars and he brings his um expertise to uh, this mining community um and yeah you sort of he's got there's quite a lot of resentment with how he was treated by the empire and and so on and so forth but um it was quite interesting to know that he wasn't a clone he was just yeah. a normal human being which also highlighted the fact that you know yeah it was called the clone wars but it doesn't necessarily mean that it was just clones versus droids there were other people affected it also showed us that the clone wars were actually kept going for so long because the empire controlled obviously the droid creating factories and the clone producing factories so there was big money in the clone wars we heard in this book which is a kind of relatively new subject for well official star wars canon which this is all now official it's kind of like Un- untapped territory, like talking about the politics of, well, excuse episode one's politics, but I mean the real politics of the Clone Wars um, it was all mon- monetary based, like basically the Emperor uh, had a finger in every pie and like people know about it, whereas because we've seen the Clone Wars, like you've got to remember, like I forgot about this Ross, the Clone Wars us as viewers, seen it through Obi-Wan and Anakin's eyes, basically, we didn't see the fringe worlds, we didn't see Skelly fighting, we didn't see like humans defending the world against the Emperor trying to invade, you know, even in the final days of the Clone Wars, where the Emperor was trying to enforce himself in places, we did not see that yet, um, we might still see it but, it's it would be an interesting time period to see, like, the initial rebellions against the Empire and Oh, Disney would never show it though, actually, because that would just be a massacre in my head. Well, you've got to remember though, like you know, it was the separatists that they were against. You know, so technically, this empire was just an offshoot of um, the yeah, Victorious too. Republic. Sorry. So, yeah. for, I know I see we're coming from the fact that you know, yeah, the emperor is trying to like you know force himself into these outlying uh, territories. But what you have to remember is like seeing the outer rim with planets like mm-hmm. Gorse, Tatooine, and all that. They were already they were separatist. Um, they were separatist planets, so they were already shunned and just stripped of their resources anyway by the by the Empire, which is rebranded, well, by the Republic rebranded as the Empire. But still, though, it, it still shows that that sort of, like, you know... Um, yeah, it's you, Skelly does highlight probably the resentment a lot of people are, and, and there, there certainly was some sort of seeds laid about the fear that uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the general population are beginning to have with... Uh, with the Empire, which was obviously enhanced with um, another character called Zaluna, who was uh, an mm. Imperial sort of... Um, uh, oh, what would you call them? Well, a, no, 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 not not the species. Like, her job was... She, she was, was like, like a uh, surveillance uh, Yeah, she was like an Empire sort of surveillance um, employee where she would listen in and anybody... and But she would hear snippets of conversations and immediately flag the authorities. And yep. then she realises that the snippets of conversations weren't the full conversation and sometimes taken out of context and it came to that's when you sort of realize that the empire isn't isn't looking out for the general population so ruling through fear rather than force type idea but no overall it certainly was a highlight that highlighted... makes complete sense fear rather than using the force <laughs> See? um it, it was um <laughs> it was the jedi used to be yeah. never mind. It was <laughs> it, it's still the overall it, it certainly is a it's a uh, it's worth the read, and especially if you want to see areas of the Empire that aren't necessarily uh, highlighted within the cartoon Rebels and the um, the original trilogy. Uh, it certainly just fleshes out the Empire and gives it that more of a sort of authoritarian, totalitarian state. And you know, it really it really does highlight what it must be like to live under a dictatorship. Yeah. Um. The, the other the other one thing before we finish up was. Um, I did like the part, it was kind of interesting to me that Order 66 was, as Ross told me earlier this week, whereas I thought it was up to the clones, it was an embedded, uh, almost sleeper command to them that they had to exterminate the Jedi. Now, the stormtroopers we've already seen, the clones are not used as stormtroopers, it is human beings that are trained as younger. Now, there's obviously some sort of brainwashing that goes on, but at the end, there's a certain command from an Imperial officer 
that turns around and says uh, on by the name of the empire, uh, by the name of the emperor, on or behalf of something, and the clo- without hesitation, the stormtroopers that aren't even clones obey that order to the the T. Ross, were you surprised yeah, well- at that? Well, not really. I mean, like, if if um if I was a stormtrooper and I got told that it was the emperor's order for me to arrest uh, Count Vidian, uh, I would bloody well do it rather than face the wrath of the emperor. You know, like, uh, yeah. you know, that's. I think it was just True. that way where it was to highlight the fact that although Vidian had his own um his own sort of regiment of stormtroopers with him, they were still they were still imperial stormtroopers. So you know, they their um their orders, especially if it was phrased in a way that the emperor has ordered you to do that they would bloody well do it you know even if count vidian was technically you know uh, de facto in charge of them um yeah that's pretty i don't think there would be any underlying sort of you know hidden no. chips or anything that to that no 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 that was i think that's just a blatant you know it's a bit like you know if if a supervisor told me to stack shells one way but then the manager of the shop told me to stack the other way i would go with the manager's order rather than the supervisor's order that's kind of the way i perceived or took that scene towards the end i was kind of surprised I, I, I did like certain parts that like we were talking about pre-show ross that they downplayed as rebels does as well they downplayed the whole um jedi side like kanan actually hid it completely it was points where we wanted him to use his lightsaber and he reached for it and then stopped himself um he did use the force at one point and it was it, it was more it made more of an impact reading it than if he used his lightsaber to chop up everyone yeah, I believe it was well written in the sense that it was more the force was wasn't really described as the force. It was more described as a sort of like a, a athletic feat in the heat of the moment. There was like two incidents where he used the force. One where it was written in a way where it was a bit like you know if people had like pumped up with adrenaline you hear about those stories where like you know um mums lifting cars to save their kids it was written it was written in that kind of way but obviously knowing he was a jedi you knew it was a force but it was very miller tackled it quite subtly and made it out as a kind of going was it the force or was it just this you know like crazy unique feat until of course at the end when you do realize he used the force to save uh hera but yeah uh, certainly, it was, certainly was well written, and it was well balanced in sense. So you know, it, you know, you weren't constantly. Kanan wasn't constantly relying on the force, and wasn't constantly relying on using his lightsaber. So we got to see the other scoundrel part of Kanan instead, which what which this era of Star Wars is all about. It's all about the smuggler scoundrels and non-Jedi Force users. So it was brilliant to see that they could still write a successful Star Wars book with limited use of the force. Or as Obi-Wan called these times, the dark times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible um, Alec McGuinness impression, but yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm interested to see, like you were saying before, how these stories delve in. And to be honest, right now, uh, I'm kind of hoping that most of the story. I'm not sure about Tarkin, Ross, I know you've started that, but I'm hoping that most of them focus on between episodes three and four, and then next year we see the shift between like episodes um, six and seven. I would really like to see that, but I could be wrong. Yeah, Tarkin's uh, um, five years after the the Clone Wars is oh, finished, good. so it's like right in there, and um, it's so far it's absolutely brilliant. So yeah. if you if you finish reading and you if you listen to this and you finish reading a new dawn, get straight into Tarkin. It's out already and it's brilliant. And if you don't know who Tarkin is, watch a New Hope and you'll understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like um, Tarkin's one of these guys that like even vader answers to and it's like why does vader answer to this man like how did he get himself in this position so well, you find out in this book which is yeah <laughs> we're going to be covering it in a, a few weeks time probably next month we'll give a, a month between the books or maybe even two months depending because it's coming up to christmas but yeah for a for um out of darkness um they had the planet with the kind of half and half light and half not or the sunshine. Whereas this had the planet Gorse, which I believe is a brand new planet. Like half of it was covered in darkness. Yes, half of it was. Yeah, it was uh, tidal, tidally locked, and where so half the planet was um, intense heat, and the other half was just complete and utter uh, darkness. Yeah, which is quite an interesting analogy. I suppose you could bring out with the fact that you know light side, dark side, the force, and you know if you're really looking into trying to pick out these things when you're you know when you're sort of like reviewing and you know um uh looking at a novel you know is that a an analogy of the light side dark sides could be but 
it, it's interesting now to see two well one asteroid that we had that same effect and now a planet to have that same effect I'm still interesting yeah, it was it was an excellent book and a good expansion. Um, we're going to obviously have a review up on our website. Um, but apart from that, if, unless you guys have got anything else you want to say, then I think we better get into hyperspeed and out of this zone. I'm good. Yogi? Sabine is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to add. I'm sorry, guys. Cool. No, but um, you, you definitely uh, sold me on the, a new dawn. I need to read it sooner than later. Uh, it's that voice of Sabine's that's what it is it's the voice man no we're brilliant. not going back down there. That's, a, <laughs> that's a dark path you follow um, anyway Ross where can the people get us if they want to find us on Tinterwebs yep you can uh, follow us uh, on Twitter at RebelsCastUK uh, hit us up with any questions or any opinions who do you think Fulcrum is let us know your batshit insane theories uh, we also have a website, uh, rebelscast.co.uk, where um, myself and Ali will put up written reviews of each um, of each episode as well. Plus, uh, we are going to be starting a wee mini holovid videos of various um, Star Wars memorabilia being unboxed. And uh, you can also email us at starwarsrebelcast at gmail.com. So Twitter, at rebelscastuk. Get us at the website, rebelcast.co.uk, and email starwarsrebelscast at gmail.com. So thank you for that. Thank you, folks, for listening. Keep with us next week on uh, Rebels Cast UK, where we will be covering Empire Day and any Star Wars news that hits us from then. So from myself, Yogi, and Ross, may the Force be with you. Always. Thanks, guys. <laughs>